significant morning in the life of our church. It, it is a morning when we get the opportunity uh, to listen to the heart of God and to respond to Him uh, in a really significant way. And so I'm praying, my prayer this morning uh, is that you would join me in doing some dreaming. thankful I am to God for what he's done. <laughs> I have a list here of all the things that God has accomplished in the last 90 days. It, just, it blows me away. Like Every time I watch the video, every time I think about all that's been accomplished, all that's possible, all that you guys have stepped up to do in response to how God has led in your life, it's been fantastic to be a part of. It's been awesome. <laughs> Perfect timing. We, 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 uh, we practiced that earlier. 
Perfect. <laughs> in just 90 days, think about how brief a time that is. Think about how short that is and compared to your entire lifetime. 90 days. I mean, that's a fraction of a millisecond in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> Think of where we were 90 days ago. <laughs> in just 90 days, we took to heart the promise of Isaiah 58.10, which says, if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry, then your light will rise in the darkness. You will be like a well-watered garden. And let me tell you, it feels like the waters are rushing in. In just 90 days, we formed a new leadership team called the Launch Team, which has given stability and passion uh, to the launch of Cultivate Church, uh, has done more uh, than I could have ever expected of them, um, have encouraged me in ways that I couldn't have imagined. Um, They've given leadership to areas like Sunday production, uh, worship team up here, life groups, connections, action, administration of the church, finance, children's ministry, legal advising, and community building events that have propelled us forward in a way that I couldn't have dreamed. We've had an established core group of 60 people remain committed to God's work in this place and have followed through on it in a way that I couldn't have dreamed. We hosted six vision dinners, and I got to see what it looked like for some of you to eat. And uh, <laughs> you guys can eat. <laughs> In 90 days, we maintain consistent communication through our online blog, through our weekly bulletin and emails. Uh, we hosted some kick-butt events, including Iron Sharpens Iron Chef and other competitive events. <laughs> uh, which showcase some of our terrific life groups here. Uh, we built and installed a new projection screen with an HD projector. I just wanted to mention that on Kyle's behalf. He's very proud. <laughs> we purchased and installed more than $7,200 worth of sound and media equipment in 90 days. We transitioned from running off of things that weren't ours to running everything off of things that are owned by this church. They're completely self-sufficient. We maintain, thanks to Kurt and the worship team, live music every single week of our existence. (laughs) And added a couple musicians along the way. With Pam's help, we instituted a new curriculum for Cultivate Kids that partners with parents so that they can be the primary spiritual leaders in their children's lives. Um, We increased awareness and participation in our life group ministry, and a greater percentage of people are now finding community week after week here in our church than at any point in this church's history. All 90 days. Um, we discovered that the word kingdom is kind of an important word around here. Um, we pay, okay, this is a good one. We paid our rent on time in full every month. We have exceeded our budget of 2250 
each and every month of our existence. And in that budget, we've budgeted $4,000 to be given to our community through our First Fruits Fund. Uh, we also broke ground on the Deep Roots Garden, rototilling and trenching 32 10 by 10 plots so that our neighbors can come and grow good things alongside the folks here at Cultivate. And John uh, fulfilled a childhood dream. <laughs> uh, we partnered with Cathedral Kitchen uh, on Wednesdays and Saturdays of every month, one, one Wednesday and one Saturday, serving hundreds of people in Camden. Uh, we launched the First Fruits Pantry with the help of uh, the Food Bank of South Jersey. And over the three Thursdays the pantry has been opened, we've served 46 families. making sure that 172 people had something to put on their dinner plates. So thank you to Monica, thank you Scott, thank you Marie for organizing that team uh, to do that fantastic work. Um, and maybe most importantly, for many of us uh, coming off of a year where we felt like our faith was shaken, where we felt frustrated, uh, we felt like God was absent, uh, we felt like we didn't know where we were going, what we were doing, what we were going to be a part of. In just 90 days, God has given us new identity, new vision, new heart, and new determination to pursue that mission no matter where it takes us. Uh, that's the thing I'm most thankful for. Um, I, I'm curious. I want to hear from you. I want to know what it is that you're thankful for, what it is that you have to give thanksgiving over as we look back on the 90 days, this first 90 days of our existence. Am I missing something here? You'll get your 20 bucks later, Pam. <laughs> We would have changed it, but we would Especially Kenny. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that what was said as the vision happened very quickly. I made persons of years where they would take money. Years and there'd still be no building. <laughs> and so I just really appreciate the fact that, like, we're doing what we say we're going to do. I appreciate the fact that Deaf Ministry is going to be going online. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. hopefully, we'll reach more people, get more people in to, uh, to use the services that we provide for Deaf Ministry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you talk about a ministry that has the potential for an impact for, I mean, countless people who are able to maybe not come out physically but are able to tune in online. So that, that's a tremendous opportunity we have. What else?
Natalie, go ahead. Um, I've been really excited to get to know everybody. Um, and just, it, this really feels like a family to me. And, you know, our families live far away. And to have the support and to be able to come. And, you know, some people are like, you have to sit by yourself at church. And I'm like, no, I'm like sitting with my family. So um, I really am loving that. I very much appreciate that this is a church where everybody's empowered to help, that the work doesn't fall on three shoulders, that everybody pitches in and they're eager to do so, and, that, and, and they're a part of it. It's not just, you know, that you, you showed up and didn't know what the plan was, and, you know, I, that, that you're a part of the plan, that you developed the plan, that you, you know, we couldn't do this without all of you. I'll just thank you that me and Emma came and our church here that we um, we had and it is started falling apart, but we started coming to the school and we stuck with it with you guys and I'm glad we're here and as a church family and I love coming to church every Sunday and 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 thank God we have Jay for our pastor and the music team and everybody so we really enjoy being here with Christian friends and all. I don't know where we were going to go, but we stuck it with you guys, so I pre- appreciate, you know, our prayers. I mean, we had to go somewhere, and that we stuck it here, so, in a great, in a great um, church, so. <laughs> I'm happy that this is still a place where I feel comfortable inviting people, that it, it hasn't changed, and I can still say, hey, you can wear whatever you want to church, and uh-huh. nobody cares. And we're a very easygoing kind of church, and somebody doesn't feel like, I'm going to walk in there and the building's going to fall down, because I've heard that. (laughs) 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 And I tell them, we're willing to rebuild. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm very thankful for that, that it's still an easygoing church that, you know, we, everybody's welcome, everybody. I like the fact that even though the motto was uh, part of discovery, that it's a sin, you know, for church to... To be boring, we still have fun, and I love coming here. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. I didn't raise my hand. Volunteered <laughs> 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 by John. Thank you. Uh, I like to hear Fred talk. <laughs> Kyle had a word of knowledge. He just knew something was. My mother loves you. <laughs> there, there's not a lot of places in the world that, uh, that care for people the way this, this place cares for people. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time I visit her, she's, she's asking about you guys. And, and it's just, mm-hmm. you made a big impact on her. Um, mm-hmm. And that just doesn't happen. Yeah. It's who you are. Yeah. It's not a happening. Oh, I miss her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jay, I just would like to, uh, you know, just give you the, the appreciation and respect that you deserve for the vision that you created. Um, you presented a vision, and, and to, to Gret, uh, Glenn's point, um, you delivered on it. And I've been coming on Thursday nights to ch- try and pitch in a little bit, and i got to say, Monica and Scott and Marie, like, 
You guys are doing a fantastic job. And when I come and see the people that come to our facility that need food, um, it just, it, it kind of just it fills me up with gratitude inside. And I appreciate, A, how thankful I am for the things I do have in my life, and, and also to be part of a church that's reaching out into the community and helping others. So great job with the vision. Microphone. <laughs> I had it before. <laughs> I just want to say thanks to all you guys because you are a family and it's just wonderful to be amongst you. And I just want to add again thanks to Jay because he's really done a tremendous job in 90 days. I wonder if you can top it in the next 90. <laughs> are we throwing down? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> I stole the microphone in the back here. Um, we are just so excited to be a part of this. We couldn't imagine being anywhere else. Um, so thank you guys. And we're kind of in the same boat as Kyle and Natalie in that we don't have families that live close by. And so this is definitely our family. And even if they live close by, this will still be our family. But... Um, we're excited for how everybody's really stepped up, and, and I think we were kind of getting frustrated with being um, part of something that we had a lot of good ideas, but it took a long, long time to uh, move things and, and get things started and acting on our ideas. So it's been really encouraging how everybody's stepped up, and really we've gotten so much done in the first 90 days that, that people have really caught the passion, and we're really excited to see what happens the next 90 and beyond. Mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> Kyle, you have the microphone now. I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just am thinking back to the meeting we had um, at the Burroughs' house, um, mm. thinking about the plan or thinking about even to continue on and what that meant for everyone in that room to step up. And I can remember the resounding yes that I heard um, and people stepping up right and left. They didn't know, understand the future or didn't know the future, uh, didn't know how it was going to work exactly in the specifics of it, but they had faith in God to that it would happen. Um, and it, this is just a test, and this is the, the, the result of that um, that fruit that we put into it and the, into the harvest we're having now, even though we're not even in the harvest phase yet. I mean, you can kind of see that starting. Mm -hmm. So, praise God for that. Yeah. So let me, uh, let me go back and recap a little bit. Um, I want to kind of take you all the way back to January. I know it's a really long time ago. Uh, I know you probably don't remember that far back, um, but we had a, uh, a conversation about vision that day, and we talked about the kind of church that we wanted to become, uh, some of the things that we wanted to accomplish, and we talked about some of the phases that we would encounter along the way. Um, and so I just wanted to bring you back to that because um, I want to make sure that we are a church that is firing on what we say we're going to do. And so I want to go back and look at some of the things that we said we were going to do um, back at that original talk in this first 90 days, the dig phase. So if you remember some of these goals that we talked about, um, we talked about being a, an independent entity at one point. Um, we talked about uh, having a long-term leadership goal, uh, beginning to establish our action partnerships, and we described those uh, as being the local action partners with South Jersey Food Bank and um, our garden project. 
and that we wanted to be a church that was prepared, that was ready for Easter. Um, so I wanted to update you on some of these things and, and let you know where we are. Um, the first one, in terms of being an independent entity, what we found out is that uh, as we started to investigate what it took to become uh, our own independent organization, our, our own incorporation in New Jersey, uh, one of the things that became clear to us immediately is that, well, for one, Watermark had been incredibly generous to us in offering their incorporation. Uh, and so I've, I've continued to be thankful for that because it has really allowed us, just as Discovery has allowed us to use their equipment over those first 90 days, Watermark extending a hand to us has allowed us to become a church and to kind of fire on all cylinders to, so that we can continue doing the ministry that we feel like God's calling us to do. They took a major piece of that off of our plate uh, so that we could get started. As we started to investigate how that looked for us, it became clear that if Watermark was willing, um, it made a lot more sense for us financially and long-term to have a discussion with Watermark Church about becoming the Watermark Incorporation and changing the name over to Cultivate than it did to start a brand new incorporation with no history. Uh, and that will help us on the long end to attain one of our goals, which is purchasing this building. Uh, because for us to start an incorporation brand new in the state of New Jersey with no history, it would have been incredibly difficult for us to even consider buying a building and getting a mortgage, unless we were able to pay cash for it, which isn't likely. Uh, so as we started to look at that, we started to think, well, it makes much more sense of us to become Watermark, because in that scenario, now we have about 40 years of history. Uh, because Watermark had changed its name from New Horizons and New Horizons from Emmanuel Church, uh, all of them existing in this building, but it's the same incorporation. It's got the same history. Uh, so what we did is uh, we submitted um, a proposal to Keystone, which is the, the church that owns the property, that has the say in what happens here, uh, towards that end. And so one of the goals that we'll talk about um, in the so phase is following up on that conversation. So that, that is the reason why we still make our checks out to Watermark Church every Sunday because uh, for us to become, we could have become our own independent entity. Uh, it would have cost us more money to go that route, and in the end it would kind of harm us towards some of our goals. So that's where we are in terms of that. Um, Long-term leadership, um, we discovered that uh, um, taking on and, and bringing in a group of 12 people to help lead the church has a lot of significant advantages for us. It, it helps to, to have a large group of people that are sitting around the same table together who get to look one another eye to eye and pray for the church together, consider what God has for us together, um, consider the vision for the church as we move forward. And, and you don't have to have a lot of repeat conversations because of that. Uh, everyone can catch it at the same time and the more people you have around, sitting around that table, the more can spread it to the rest of the folks who aren't able to sit around it. So that's the approach that we've taken in terms of leadership. And it's worked so well up until this point that we haven't transitioned quite yet into the newest phase of leadership, which is what we'll be doing in the next phase. Uh, so what I've done is I've, I've asked the, um, the, the launch team uh, to consider whether or not they'd be able to serve for another 90 days. And in those 90 days, I made a commitment to them that we would transition to uh, a new evolution in terms of our phase of ministry and how we would organize ourselves as a church. 
And so um, the ones that uh, were there agreed to that. The ones that weren't there, you're hearing about it now. And so, uh, <laughs> no, this isn't the first time they've heard about it. But um, so, so that's that's where we are on that that particular one. Um, establishing action partners. I think we've proven that we've been able to do that. Um, we we've established both our local and our regional partnerships. The local one being the Deep Roots Garden. And we broke ground on that uh, on Friday evening into Saturday. If you haven't gotten a chance to look out there, uh, there's quite a bit of dirt. <laughs> I encourage you to go to take a look at it. Uh, probably not after this because it'll be dark and you may hurt yourself, but sometime in the future. Um, and, uh, of course, our First Fruits Pantry, uh, which has just done a tremendous job. Thank you, Scott and Monica. I mean... Which is outstanding, and the amount of work that you guys have put into it has been amazing. Um, so, back to dig. The, the purpose of the first 90 days, we said, was to dig. We, we called it that for a reason. And I looked up the, the definition of the word dig, and uh, I like this definition. It's, the definition of dig is to prepare soil by loosening or cultivating. It's to prepare soil by loosening or cultivating. It just happens that that word cultivating was in there. I didn't throw it in, honest. Um, but it's to prepare. So the reason why this is significant is because the dig phase wasn't a phase unto itself. And so while we have a lot to celebrate as a church, uh, all that happened in the first 90 days was to prepare us for what comes next, right? It, it is a, a work that we were doing to get us ready for a day in the future which is to come. So if dig is preparing something uh, for a future reality, what do you think sowing is? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, the technical definition is to sow seeds. Um, but if you want to know kind of the, the rest of the definition, uh, to sow is to scatter seed over earth for the purpose of growth. It's for the purpose of growth. So... A farmer doesn't scatter seeds to expect to get seeds in return, right? There's always an investment and there's an expectation that what's invested will return something greater than what was given. Does that make sense? That's what sowing is. So when you sow to something, and we use that uh, as a metaphor for a lot of things, right? We, we sow, uh, what we sow, we reap, right? So we think of it in terms of our, our behavior, our attitudes, if we sow good, positive attitudes into our lives, then we reap the benefit from that in healthy relationships from other people. So you reap what you sow. That's what we often say. Uh, you expect something to come back in a larger quantity uh, than what you invested. Uh, so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what are we going to be sowing? And before we get to that question, I was thinking about this, uh, this particular message in tonight and what we were going to uh, look at tonight, I was thinking about the particular place that our church has been in, um, the kinds of uh, celebration items that we have from the first 90 days, where God might want to bring us in the next 90 days. And I kept coming back to this thought um, that in order to sow something, we need to have something to sow with, right? So uh, God needs to do something. He needs to show up in some way in us in order for us to have something good to offer. And this goes all the way back to what we talked about as our mantra, that we are to have deep roots in Christ so that we can produce 
rich fruit. So we can't produce rich fruit apart from the root system that we've developed in Christ. And to the proportion that we dig our roots down deep into Christ is, is what we get in return. It's what God is able to do and produce on our tree to make good fruit. Because the reality is we can't produce it ourselves. Um, and so as I started to think about this, the, the thing I kept going back to was, God, what can you sow in us? God, what can you do in our hearts, in our lives? And it led me to look at the parable of the sower. It's an appropriate name for tonight. Uh, it's found in a number of different places, but we're going to look at it uh, in the Gospel of Luke, starting in, in verse 1. Uh, Jesus was traveling around, and it says this, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of what? The kingdom of God. What have we been talking about uh, for the last, what, eight weeks now? The kingdom of God. This is a major important item on Jesus' agenda. He devoted massive amounts of time to this particular area called the kingdom of God. And So what this is saying is he's going around talking about the kingdom of God. Uh, and so this is one of his journeys. This is one of his trips. It says, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus, from town after town he told this parable. So as Jesus is telling people about this good news that he has in store for them called the kingdom of God and all that it meant for their lives and all that it meant for their future and all that it could have meant for the nation of Israel, uh, town after town, people would flock to come and see him. And they would visit from town to town following Jesus. He would have this crowd that would come with him, not only from their town, but they'd want to hear him say it again in the next town. You think about how fantastic this news is that there, Jesus has his own roadies, his own groupies. The, the show isn't just good once. They want to see the encore. And so they're following him around, um, wanting to know what it is that Jesus is talking about. Um, so these people were followers of Jesus, just the way you might follow a band. They, they followed him around, literally from town to town. And it, it just so happens, in the area that Jesus was from, it would have happened that many of those people were farmers. Many of them spent their day in this occupation of farming. And so he tells this parable to them in the midst of, of their following. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Others fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. So Jesus starts to paint this picture for these farmers who had spent their lives doing the very things that Jesus was talking about. And he gives them these four scenarios. Uh, the first scenario, you have to excuse my drawing. Uh, the first scenario gives them is what? It's a path. And so he says there's this seed, and as it's being thrown out into the world, some of it happens to fall on this path. And what happens? It gets trampled on, and then birds... This is my... This is my bird. I told you you're going to have to 
Excuse my drawing. The birds of the air, they come and they steal the seed away. Um, so what happens in this, scenario, this particular scenario is that it gets trampled. What's the next scenario? He talks of falling upon rocks, right? And so these are my boulders. These are my rocks. Um, some of the particular seed happens to fall on rocks. And what happens to that seed? No moisture, right? Why do you think it wouldn't have any moisture? Right, it's, it's not able to pull any moisture out. What do you need to pull moisture? You need soil, and you have to sink your roots into soil, right? So the problem was there's no soil, and because of that, they had no roots. What's the next scenario? Thorns, right? So some of the seed happens to fall on thorns. This is my thorn bush. You have to use your, your creativity, your imagination. And what happens to the seed that falls on the thorns? It gets choked. Choked out. Pete, can you see okay? This work for you? <laughs> now, there's this last scenario that he talks about, and it's in contrast to all the other scenarios. What is this particular one? Good soil, right? This would be my, my field. But this is good soil. Exactly. <laughs> Not those village people. Yeah. <laughs> so he gives them these four. What's different about this one? Yeah, so the seed grows, and what happens? It came up and yielded a crop. So the effort of sowing was returned for this particular scenario. So in contrast to all the other ones, the return was lost. In this particular scenario, there's a return. Not just a good return, right? What does it say? A hundred times more that was sown. <laughs> so, I mean, according to this, even the seed that wasn't sown grew a crop. I don't know how that works. It's a hundred times more than was even sown. So it's not like there's even more coming back than the seeds that were actually put into the ground. Something special is happening here. And then after he paints this scenario, Jesus says this. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. This is a really poor translation of this. Because the word called here is actually something more like shout or yell. Uh, and if you were to translate it maybe into more modern English, he would have said something like, listen up. So I need somebody that's like got a really loud voice that can shout, listen up. Everybody looks at Kenny. <laughs> loud as you can get. Listen up! That's exactly it. Listen up. So in other words, what Jesus is saying is, this scenario that I just painted for you, <laughs> this picture that I just gave you, this is incredibly important. Don't miss what I'm telling you. Now, how clear is it from what I've given you so far what he's talking about? I mean, if you didn't have the rest of the passage, what would you think of what Jesus said? 
I guess if I'm a farmer, I need to go back out into my field and not scatter seed on paths or rocks or in thorn bushes. I need to find some good soil. Okay, I guess I'll just go back to life and do it. Now, there's a group of people called the disciples, and they knew something was up because it didn't make sense to them. And they're listening to this whole thing. Some of them are fishermen, so it really doesn't click for them. And they're going, wait, what, what did that mean? And so a- after a little bit of time, you see down in the passage, they sort of corner Jesus, and they go, um, Jesus, I, you know, I don't want to look dumb or anything, but I don't get it. I don't get it. What, what, what are you talking about? And so he, he begins to explain what he meant by this passage. This is the meaning of the parable. He's going to spell it out for us all. The seed is the word of God. Think of it this way. The seed is the good news about the kingdom that I've been sharing with these towns and these people, town after town, village after village. As we've gone, as we traveled together, every time I give this message, it is the word of God for these people. This is what I'm telling them. This is God's will for their life. This is the kingdom come. This is the good news. The king is here. And then he begins to explain each of these things. He says, those along the path are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So there's an enemy in this story, right? It's not just the good sower who's sowing the, the, the seeds of the word of God. There is an entity out there which wants to take away that which is sown. Um, and if I were to kind of put that into our context, I would say, that we too have an enemy that would love more than anything to see this place shut down. We have an enemy that would love more than anything for the word of God to be stolen out of your heart and out of mine and for it not to bear fruit in kingdom ways in our lives so that it affects other people. And the way that he most often does that is through doubt. The word is sown into our lives. It's a significant thing. It says that, that it comes and it it's, has the potential for bearing fruit uh, and it's stolen away. And I think the way that that happens most often is that we have an enemy that loves to give us doubt. It happens a lot like this. Did God really say to do that? Did, I mean, this Jesus guy, he's pretty radical, isn't he? He's demanding a lot more of your life than you ought to give him. Would a good God really demand that much from you? I mean, this kingdom, it can't be that good, right? We have an enemy that loves to minimize the activity of God in our lives by sowing doubt into us. And when that happens, this word that that God would love for us to take hold of and to bear fruit is stolen away. It's not the only scenario, though. It says, those on the rocks are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. When the seed falls on, on places where there is no root system, it looks really attractive for a little while. It looks really good at first. Things seem to be growing, things seem to be changing, but there's no root system. And so what happens? The, the first trial that comes along, the first testing of the faith, there's nothing to anchor that faith down, and so it just blows away in the wind. Um, 
So when we have no root system, um, that's when trials can come in and take away what God has sown into our lives. There's another scenario which, which Jesus talks about. He said, The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. See, the thing about seed that falls into where thorns are is not that there isn't good ground for it to, to germinate in. It's the fact that the ground's already preoccupied with something else. It's already growing something, right? So it can't grow something else, something good, because it's already growing something that's not helpful, that isn't bearing fruit, that isn't producing anything. Uh, it, it is already occupied. It's occupied territory. This often happens in our lives. When we hear something good about the kingdom of God, we want to respond with everything that's in us. And yet we just can't because, well, we've got too much going on in our lives. I, I would love to get more involved in what God is doing in and through Cultivate, but I just can't because I, I can't spare the time. I would love to be able to give more to God and what he's doing in the world, but I have too much debt to be able to do that. The worries of the world, riches and pleasures, things that preoccupy us, choke out the word of God for our lives. But there's this other scenario that happens. It says, the seed that fell on good soil stands for those with noble and good hearts who hear the word of God, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So there's three elements Pull this off. There's hearing. There's what? Retaining. And what? I'm going to get this wrong. Hey, there we go. Ah. Persevering. Something like that. I messed it up. <laughs> I was persevering and trying to spell that word. Hearing, retaining, and persevering. Remind me again, who is Jesus talking to? Farmers. Disciples. His guys. His followers. Yeah. These are the people that have stuck it out with Jesus. Um, and the people that followed, the crowds that followed Jesus, followed him also. How do we often read this passage? as being those people out there, right? We think we're the ones with the seeds. We just need to sow it with the right people out there. So if we just pick the right folks, the right soil, then we'll produce a crop. 
But Jesus isn't talking to those folks out there. He's talking to these folks in here. And what does he say to them? Essentially, be the good soil. We often assume, right? I mean, we read the Bible from our own particular point of view so often that it just becomes normal, right? And we've maybe, maybe we've heard it from a particular point of view so often that it becomes normal. I think if Jesus were here and he were giving this passage to us, he would say to cultivate church, be the good soil. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. I want my church to be a place where I can sow good things into them and expect a return. And as you do that, I will grow it. And I'll make sure to sustain you along the way. I'll make sure to grow you and to affect those people's lives who also need the seed of the Word of God in them. But don't miss yourselves. Don't miss us here in this room. Don't assume that you're the good soil. Because here's the thing. You don't get to find out if you're the good soil until you grow something. Right? All the other ones, they probably think they're the good soil, and yet they keep trying, they keep trying, and nothing's being produced. They're going, I don't get it. What's happening? And Jesus would say, it's because you're not the good soil. You know that you're the good soil because stuff gets produced in it. Um, so as we're considering this point in our life, as we're reflecting on and celebrating the first 90 days, I would say that the next phase of our church's life needs to begin with personal renewal. It needs to begin by making sure that we are people that are the good soil that God can begin to grow something in so that he can produce a crop, so that he can get a hundredfold times what what he sowed into this place and into our lives, into this community. The question I think he would ask us is, am I getting a return on the investment that I've put into your life? Am I reaping what I've sown into your life? Because I've sown quite a bit. I mean, we've celebrated all of it, right? God has given us a lot in many, many ways, ways that we've acknowledged already, in ways that we we don't even realize. He's invested a ton of things into this church and into your life and into my life. So we have to ask ourselves the question, if God has sowed those things or is, is intending to sow those things into our life, what may be stopping us from allowing that activity to happen? For you and for me, is it doubt? Do we get discouraged? and question whether or not God has spoken to us and spoken into our lives? Are we held back by trials in our own life and questioning the goodness of God? Do we allow that seed of faith to be choked out by the worries of the world? I think this is the question that God would have us consider. As a spiritual leader here, let me go first. I think too often in my own life, apart from when we get together, when I'm sitting at home by myself, I can allow doubt to creep in in an unhealthy way. I can lose sight of the vision that I know in my heart that God has placed into my life and have been able to speak into your lives and have recognition that it's exactly where God is leading us 
And yet, if I spend too much time away from you guys, I can begin to doubt that activity of God in my life and in my heart. It's something that I have to be careful of. It's something that I need to bring before God and say, God, will you heal me of this? Because sometimes I fail to have faith that God is working in me. Call it insecurity, call it what you will. That is where I think that I am sort of quenching the spirit uh, in his work in my life. See, we mostly think of the kingdom as something that we do. But Jesus says in order for us to get to that work, the kingdom is something that we need to allow to be done in us. Because if that happens and the kingdom comes to live in us, then the fruit that grows from that plant is going to be unstoppable. It's going to catch fire in this area like you've never seen before. And I think the reason for that is because God never sows something. He doesn't have every intention of reaping a hundredfold. And so in this next phase of our life, we need to be people who are receivers of what God is doing in us if we ever hope to grow anything of lasting value here in South Jersey. And there's a lot of things that we need to be sowing. And I'm going to outline those for you now. Uh, But in order for us to get that, we can't miss this essential piece of that to be the good soil so that God can begin to grow those deep roots in us and grow lasting fruit through us. All right, so enough about that. You're all getting tense. Beyond that, what do I think that God is calling us to cultivate here? What do I think that God is calling us to sow into? Uh, in the next phase, um, phase two, I have a few goals for, for, the, cult, or for the, the sow phase. And the target date for this, if it's up there, um, is uh, September. Um, it, this is what we talked about at the very beginning of the year, back in January, uh, that September... No, it's not 90 days from now. It's much longer than that. I'm not doing a trick on you. Um, I, I'm not doing some kind of weird math and calling it 90 days, but it's really more than that. I divided the year up into 90 days and then the rest of the year up into two segments, with September being another watershed moment for us. So we have some goals around here that we want to accomplish uh, for September. And the first one starts with this, this process of personal spiritual renewal. That is why we're beginning the second phase of our existence as a church with baptism. Because baptism is the celebration of new life within us that God has done through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, in our lives. Uh, That is the time that we get to celebrate that new life as a body and publicly recognize as we are baptized that we belong to God and we belong to His family. That just as Jesus was crucified on the cross, Our old lives died with him, and when he rises from the dead, we rise along with him. Uh, That's what baptism celebrates. And so I want to challenge you, if you haven't been baptized, that now is the time. This is your opportunity. Uh, We are having a a meeting to talk about what baptism is uh, this Saturday at 10 o'clock in the morning in this building. If you haven't been baptized, I encourage you and you're interested in it, please come and see me um, because I think this is going to be a great celebration for us as we celebrate not just the, the new church and the new activity that we've been able to do, but the new life that God has produced in each of you. 
And we're going to do that during the service on Sunday. So no extra service for that. We're going to celebrate it right at church um, and, and, and do it that way. The second thing in terms of spiritual renewal is that we have a, a goal of 80% uh, of people that call Cultivate Home to be in life groups. Right now we're hovering, what, what about 65, I think? 60, okay. Um, about 60%, it's, it's sort of, you know, done one of these, it's sort of hovering around that. We would love to see 80% um, because we believe that real life change, sustained life change, happens within the context of community. That is one of our core values. That's something that we will continue to, to teach on, um, to, to come back to, that, that it happens within community. And, and as we grow, um, which should be the byproduct of health and growth and good life and, and good deep roots, here, um, we need to stay small somehow. And so as we grow, as we include more people, as we become open and start to invite our friends here to, to come and be a part of what God's doing, um, we need to remain that family with at least some people who call Cultivate Home. And so life groups are the way that we begin to do that. Uh, the second thing that uh, is a goal is that we're going to begin to... Um, have an evolution of leadership. And what I mean by that is that rather than have a, a, a hard date where we have one leadership structure and then a, a second date where we have a totally new leadership structure, we are taking the next 90 days to, to update and change um, our uh, leadership and how, how we structure the church. One of the big things that we'll be doing um, through that process is introducing the big idea team. Um, I introduced uh, the big idea as part of what we do in terms of the teaching of this church. Essentially what I said is that we want to drive home one message every Sunday. We want you to get into your life one big idea that's going to change your life that week. Um, Because for too long we've given a lot of small ideas. And what happens when you get a lot of small ideas is that you have no idea which one to incorporate into your life. And so you may end up choosing the one that looks best to you, oftentimes. Uh, so what we want to do is, is we want to have one big idea. We want to say this is the idea that we're all concentrating on. We're going to teach on it. Uh, we're going to give it to our children. Uh, we're going to emphasize it and incorporate it into our life groups. Um, because if we do that on a consistent basis for an entire year, we'll be 52 big ideas down the road to where God wants us. Right. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm introducing a new team uh, as part of that, which will help me to craft those big ideas. Um, they may be part of the teaching team uh, that actually delivers them on Sunday morning, like Pete has, uh, like Pam has uh, to this point. Um, but even if they don't appear uh, up here on Sunday mornings, they will be the ones that help me to craft some of those big ideas for us moving forward ideas that are appropriate for where we are as a church, ideas that propel us into the future. Um, They will also become part of the team that helps give me uh, advising and accountability. Um, I know that one of the big things that that you guys have wanted from this new church uh, is not to have a leadership team, which or a leader, I'll put it that way, uh, who is off on his own, able to do whatever he pleases. 
um, because we've seen some of the dangers of that in the past. And so I want you to have confidence to know that we are going to start to do that. Um, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah. Um, but I want you to know that your leaders are accountable to you and to others, including myself. Uh, the last thing is that we do all this so that we can grow and influence in our neighborhoods, with our neighbors, the people that we know. Uh, we've already started this process, obviously, but we're going to be expanding the food pantry. Um, God willing, we're going to uh, start to do it more than once a month. Um, we want to see it grow past what it is. Um, we we want to give away more food. We, we want to meet more people. And not only that, but we want to see it turn into a ministry where we're investing in the lives of the people that come and be a part of it in other ways besides food. We want to see them return to health and vitality in their neighborhoods and where they live uh, and not just receive a one-time hand-me-out. So that's where we've begun because we want to gain influence in their lives. We hope we get to know these people on a regular basis, that they start coming back on a continual basis. But as they do, we want to start asking them other questions, like what other needs can we fulfill in your life? Do you need job training? Um, do you need skills in putting a resume together? Do you need interview training? Do you need networking skills? Do you need uh, anything to help kind of get people back on their feet and back into life? Because a lot of the people that we've been meeting uh, have just fallen on hard times and they need a new start. And so food is good. That's where we begin. But we want to do more than that. Uh, the, the next thing that we're doing, obviously, is the launch of the Deep Roots uh, Garden. Um, we, we started that process over the weekend. That's going to continue, um, and we're hoping to dedicate that on Mother's Day this year. Um, the week after, I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, again, we could just garden for the sake of gardening. We could go out into a field and spend our times with a rototiller and have the, the, the time of our lives. Um, <laughs> I don't know why people are looking at you, John. <laughs> but we do it for a greater purpose. We are sowing something so that we can reap a benefit, right? So we don't just uh, cultivate a field for the sake of cultivating it. We do it so that we can invite people from our neighborhoods in this community to come and garden along with us. We, we want them to come and see the good things that are happening here, the good things that are growing here. We want them to come and participate on our mission and vision before they even realize the person who propels us towards that future. Because if they do that, they begin to see the kingdom in, in action in your lives. And they want to know more. Same way it worked with Jesus. They saw him performing miracles. They saw him doing wonderful things. And they said, who is this guy and how do I get to know him? That's basically what we want to do through that. The last thing is that um, obviously we've talked about uh, the future purchase of this building. And one of the commitments that we want to make to you is that we're going to start the process of talking about what it looks like to actually make that transition happen. So like I said earlier, we've, we've kind of put in the proposal, but it hasn't gone any further than that. 
So in this next phase, we're going to follow up on that and keep you guys updated every step of the way so that when we get the green light and we know exactly what it takes for us to become this new entity and to take on this place for ourselves, that we'll all be doing it together. Sound good? Remember that the purpose of digging is to prepare. The purpose of sowing is to grow. But in order for us to grow, God is saying that we need to ask ourselves a difficult question of whether we're ready to receive what he's been trying to sow in us. And so I want to end um, sort of my portion of tonight by giving you guys the opportunity to do that with one another. So this is kind of a different format. Uh, we're doing this in the evening rather than the morning so we can kind of shake things up and get you out of your comfort zone a little bit. Um, but what I'm going to ask you to do right now is actually to turn in groups of maybe five or six and to begin praying towards this end, that God would make you good soil so that he could reap the benefits of what he's sown into your life. Maybe you want to pray about a specific area, maybe of doubt or of trials or of preoccupation with the world that God is trying to, to speak to your life in. Um, but we want to give you this opportunity because we're a family, right? Families pray together. Uh, and so we don't have this opportunity often enough, especially if you're not in a group uh, and get to do this from week to week. So we want to give everyone the opportunity to do this and to recommit ourselves to God as we make this transition from dig to sow. All right? So there are your instructions. God, I, uh, I just I want to reflect the prayers that are being spoken now and thank you, Lord, so much for the community that's here. Father, I thank you that, uh, that your son has come, that you've given us new life in him. Thank you, God, for the kingdom. Thank you that it means new life for us. Thank you that you spoke challenging words into our lives and called us to live more than what we're able to do on our own. Father, I pray that uh, in these next few days, in this next phase of the life of this church, God, that you would begin a work in us as you've already begun. I pray that it would be a time of deep personal spiritual renewal for us in our lives and our families our communities, in this place. I pray that out of that, God, you would grow a harvest a hundredfold, that we would look back on today and say, that was the day that things changed. That was the day that we moved into new life, that, that we gained even greater confidence for the things that are to come, that we trusted God even deeper than before. Father, we thank you for it. 